I was glad when they said to me, let us go to the house of the Lord. Now that's, uh, it's been a while since I've been at this particular uh, place in this house of the Lord. We were able to sneak back into the services about a month ago, but it's been eight months since I stood here in this pulpit. And uh, things have changed since then. I had a lot more hair at that time and a lot less humility than I do have now because cancer is one of those things that will kind of put you in your place. And it will teach you that you can make your plans, but God will decide how things will go. So last time I stood in this pulpit, I did not know some of these things, but I had 80% cancer cells running through my blood. Now, according to good doctors at Mayo, I have 0.0000%. So we're very grateful for that. And many of you were uh, prayer warriors during this time. Thank you for your prayers. And uh, they have been answered for this time being. This is not a curable cancer. This is a treatable cancer. And so, um, you know, I expect uh, several years of that noise and then um, you know whatever you know whatever else will come um, also uh, did not know at the time I was in kidney failure at the time when I stood here before you last uh, the, the doctors were able to save that kidney uh, I, I only had the one I gave one to my cousin uh, 20 years ago and she hasn't given it back so I've got the one but they saved it and they were able to uh, you know keep it keep it going so I'm very grateful for your prayers uh, that have helped me to get back here. Uh, very grateful to Kevin and his family. Kevin is away this week. He's helping move his parents. Uh, he'll be back uh, next week. And my plan is to ease back into uh, ministry. So I'll probably be doing either 8 or 1030 service for a while. Today I did, I did both, but I'm probably going to pay for it this <laughs> afternoon. But we'll be easing back into the, uh, into the routine. So Thank you for your prayers. Thank you for all you've done that helped me to get uh, back to where I am today. But let's give the glory to where it truly belongs. Would you stand with me as we give glory to God?
Well, it's really good to see uh, Pastor David back with us again. And uh, we're... You know, I think he sang better in this service than he did in the first one. <laughs> so I really rejoice in that. And you can pray for Pastor Bobby, who uh, usually is over on the other side, but we allowed him to come this way today. And he's going to share some real truth this morning. So I pray that you will pray for him, and we'll do that right now. So let's pray together. Father God, we give you this uh, service we thank you for the music. We thank you that Pastor David is back with us. We ask, too, that you put an anointing on him, as well as Pastor Bobby, as he comes later and opens the word to us. And so I thank you for that. I ask, Lord, that you use this service for your glory. In Jesus' name, amen. amen. Okay. <laughs> totally distracted now. Okay, so welcome to Anastasia Baptist Church. We are so glad you are here. And uh, we just look for many different ways to connect with you. Um, we have a QR code. It's on your bulletin. You can um, scan that to your phone, and that'll give you a whole list. It's called a link tree. It'll show you where you can give. It'll show you the events that are coming up for the week. It'll also... Um, let you download a bulletin, and if you've gotten the code off your bulletin, you'll be going around in circles, but that's okay. But um, one thing David didn't, um, didn't mention to you when he was up here was that uh, the last time he was up here, he weighed more than I do. <laughs> so we're about even right now. So. Um, we've had lots of, uh, lots of different activities that have happened recently that we'd like you to know about. The, uh, the students went on a sunrise to sunset trip and when they came back they had three students that would like to be baptized they're getting baptized today in the ocean <laughs> we have a student-led ministry going on across the, across the hall so the students are actually doing the service over there and they did a baptism in there in the service at nine o'clock this morning and then i think we have another student being baptized uh, on wednesday night so when we plug all these baptisms into the numbers that we got from the, uh, from the VBS baptisms and the ones that we did at the beach last week, um, we come up with a little over 30 baptisms that we've done in the month of June. Just for a little perspective, we did 100 baptisms total last year, so we are, we are well on our way this year. Um, also, we have a, a cancer care ministry um, and so if you're in a situation like David or I have been in that, that you have a cancer and, or you have a loved one that has cancer and you, you need some uh, counseling or you'd like to get plugged into someone at the church that can help walk you through that, we have a cancer care ministry. Leslie Hunt leads that up and you can uh, see her at the, at the welcome desk or her contact information is in, the, is in the bulletin. And we'd just like to connect with you in that way. Also on... Sunday, August 13th, you can plug this into your calendar. We are going to have another beach baptism. It'll be at uh, 9th Street at the beach at 1 p.m. So we can get prepared for that. Um, also, we have a lot of um, things kicking off in the fall. And if you look at the back of your bulletin, you'll see that the women's ministry has a whole list of all these um, classes that they do. 
And right now, the men have three Bible studies going on, so they think they're doing really well. But they cannot compare to the Bible studies that the women do. I can say that. So we're just really thankful that you're here, and we look forward to having a wonderful service. God bless. Just when I got to sing a duet shortly before I realized I was sick, but I see he's traded up. <laughs> the Bible tells us that uh, we're all sinners, that we fall short of the glory of God, and that there is none righteous, no, not one. But regardless of how sinful we are, God's mercy is more. It's greater than our sin. 
Let's sing that truth. Would you stand with me? Let's sing. What love could remember? No wrongs we had done. Omniscient, all-knowing, he counts not their sum. Thrown into a sea without bottom or shore. Our sins, they are many, his mercy is more. What patience would wait as we constantly roam? What father so tender is calling us home? He welcomes the weakest, the vilest, the poor. Our sins, they are many, His mercy is more. Praise the Lord, His mercy is more. Stronger the darkness, new every morn, our sins, they are many, His mercy is on us. His blood was the payment, his life was the cost. We stood neath the debt we could never afford. Our sins, they are many, his mercy is more. Praise the Lord, his mercy of that great mercy, we can say along with the psalmist, my heart is confident, God. My heart's confident. I will sing. I will sing praises. I will praise you for your faithfulness, my God. I will sing to you with a harp, Holy One of Israel. I will sing of faithful love and justice. I will sing praise to you, Lord, I will sing praise with the whole of my being. Because of God's great faithfulness, we can and should praise him. Let's sing together. Great is thy faithfulness, O
Three years ago, Savannah decided she wanted to get more involved in the music part of her life. And we were kind of leery about which direction we wanted her to go in. And she started talking to somebody where she worked. And they said, why don't you try out for the church band? They're looking for somebody. So uh, when she wanted to come to the church to be try out for the band, inside I was 10,000 hallelujahs. <laughs> and so we talked about it. We decided to go to church. She joined the band. We were excited. Um, then it, I mean, nothing was in our control after that. It just, everything took over. The, um, the feelings that we had that I, I got back watching him and watching her, um, that was my testimony. It was kind of something that's always kind of lingered in my head, wondering like, why do people go to church? What's, you know, the hype about kind of everything that you just hear, like, God save me. And, you know, growing up, I never really kind of understood it. But after I met my friend, she told me, you need to come to church. You would love it. You'd have fun. You'd meet great people that you share a lot of the same like things with. And, you know, I was about three years ago, I was like 14, 15 years old coming here. So I was like, okay, let's try it out. So me never having come into a church before, I was a little nervous about coming in. I says, I might come in here and it burst into flames. Some of the things I've done in my past, you just never know what's gonna happen. So I started coming to the service to hear her play and I started hearing the pastor's message. And it, something came over me that I had never felt before. I was like, I'm hearing the Bible in a different way. I had heard the Bible from other people that I grew up with, my parents, which I didn't see eye to eye, so I left when I was 16. And I heard it from people that I worked with throughout the years, people talked to me about God. And I always had a rebuttal for them because I couldn't see where it was gonna fit into my life or do anything for me. But after we started coming to the church here, I had a different feeling that I hadn't felt before. So, over the last three years, I can back up to almost the first three months we started coming to church. I started realizing that I needed to make a decision. I was hearing the pastor say, if you feel the need to come forward and give your life to Christ, maybe today's the day to do it. Well, I knew it was time. So I came up front, had a conversation with the pastor, and we started talking about the next steps. 
And then we had all decided as a family that we wanted to get baptized and move forward in our life with Christ. And that's when things started to change. And then I had heard a sermon about forgiveness and I got so choked up. Even right now, it's hard to talk about it, but my sister got killed in 2006. And the very next day, this happened on a Saturday morning, the very next day was a Sunday. And they had the first hearing for the gentleman that had caused her to die at the prison. I was there with my brother. I stood up in front of the judge when they brought him in and she goes, can I help you, sir? I said, yes. I just want that man right there to know that when he gets out, I'm gonna be waiting for him. And that's all I had to say because everybody in there knew what I was talking about. I was gonna seek revenge for my sister's death. And that was probably one of the hardest things I ever did, but I meant it at the time because I was really upset at the way she had got killed. So after hearing the pastor's sermon about forgiveness, I realized I needed to do something different. I had said some pretty bad things that day and it played on my conscience after hearing the sermon. So I actually talked to um, one of the pastors here and he just gave me some words on how I should maybe put a letter together to write to the gentleman that this had all happened to. So I called the chaplain at the prison and he also told me, go this route, this is where you need to send it to us so that he gets the letter. So I wrote down a couple of things and read some scriptures in the letter that I wrote to him and told him that my sister was very important to me and I said some things at the time that I realized that I shouldn't have said and that as hard as it is, I forgive him because God forgave me and hopefully he can find Jesus in his life and that's how the letter went. I learned that Jesus is the way and the Bible is the map. And we have to let those things into our heart. And then we can become disciple makers and help lead other people to Jesus. Something I never thought I'd be saying at this point in my life, ever. I think the important part of the faith campaign is so that other families can experience what we are experiencing. And their families can experience and they can have the joy of seeing their children and their families walk through the door, give the praise for generations to come. Well, good morning, church. So good to see you all here in such large numbers this morning and such wide awake. The eight o'clock service had not as many numbers, but they were wide awake as well. Well, I think what we have just witnessed actually epitomizes and it embraces and embodies exactly the core reason of why we are going through this journey of our Four Generations to Come faith campaign. You see where a teenage daughter walks through the halls of this building to get plugged into a praise and worship ministry across the hallway that resulted in a mother and father coming to this church only to see her play and perform, but hearing through the Word of God experience the life-changing truth of Jesus Christ. And that man right there you saw, that husband and that father, this very moment, this very day, is in West Palm Beach, Florida, preaching a sermon. Yeah. 
You have been incredibly faithful. We are at over 6.1 million in our faith campaign, reaching toward our goal of 8.2 to 8.5 million before we close on our loan. So I can encourage you just to continue to pray and ask God how he would continue to lead you, how you might participate. It's not about equal giving, folks. It's all about equal sacrifice. There's many ways where you can give, our digital platform, but just the regular old way. But it's all about what God would lead you to do. So thank you so much. We look forward to everything that's going on. And if you'd like to actually take a tour of the buildings, we're doing that now on Sundays after this service from 1130 to noon. I'll be out there in the Welcome Center. Just come alongside, and I'll be happy to show you everything that's going on. God bless you, church. Good morning, church. It's great to be here with you today. Lewis, thank you for what you are doing in the Building Steering Committee. It's exciting times here at Anastasia. Amen? Um, I, I feel like the Lord has already been moving in such a powerful way in this service. Um, Pastor David, it's just so great to have you back. And uh, he's been coming to some of our staff meetings. And we've missed you, and it's good to see you here, brother. Thank you for your ministry. You've heard 30 baptisms in the month of June. Um, there's just a lot of excitement. We're seeing new families. Uh, so it's, it's great. Um, great things the Lord is doing here at Anastasia. My name is Bobby. I'm one of the pastors here. It's a joy to be able to bring uh, a message uh, to you today. Um, you know, as we're continuing with this uh, sermon series, it's called Summer Shorts. When I first heard that, I didn't know if I was supposed to wear shorts uh, as I preached, but I figured that would probably not be a good idea. Um, but uh, it's these short one-chapter books of the Bible, and it just so happens today that I get the book that is the favorite Bible uh, book of the Beatles. <laughs> hey, Jude. <laughs> so there's a lot to unpack in uh, such a short time, and honestly, I don't have time this morning to go through the whole chapter uh, of the book of Jude. I would encourage you in your devotional time to, to read the whole thing, but I do want to read a little bit at the beginning and a little bit at the end uh, this morning as we dig in to God's Word. Jude, a servant of Jesus Christ and brother of James, to those who are called, beloved in God the Father, and kept for Jesus Christ, may mercy, peace, and love be multiplied to you. Then skipping down to verse 17. But you must remember, beloved, Beloved, the predictions of our apostles of our Lord Jesus Christ, they said to you in the last time there will be scoffers following their own ungodly passions. It is these who cause divisions, worldly people devoid of the Spirit. But you, beloved, building yourselves up in your most holy faith and praying in the Holy Spirit, keep yourselves in the love of God waiting for the mercy of our Lord Jesus Christ that leads to eternal life. And have mercy on those who doubt. Save others by snatching them out of the fire. To others show mercy with fear, hating even the garment stained by the flesh. Now to him who is able to keep you from stumbling and to present you blameless before the presence of his glory with great joy. 
To the only God, our Savior, through Jesus Christ, our Lord, be glory, majesty, dominion, authority, before all time, and now, and forever. Amen. May God bless the reading of his word. So as we begin this morning, there's two special things that, that Jude says, and he says, you are called and you are beloved. So if you're taking notes uh, in your program, in your bulletin this morning, you are called and you are beloved. Jude has a very special message for his readers, uh, readers, uh, and, and we are also these readers uh, today, and that first message is that we are called by God. The scriptures are full of passages that speak to this. And if you'll allow me a few moments, I'd like to read just a few of them just to drive home this fact that God calls all of us. In Jeremiah 1.5, it says, Before I formed you in the womb, I knew you. And before you were born, I consecrated you. I appointed you a prophet to the nations. You see, before we even have a name, before we're even born, God is calling us out. He is appointing us. This word consecrates, it means to be set apart for a special plan, for a special design, for a special purpose. He calls us out. Romans 8:28, it says this very famous passage, and we know that for those who love God, all things work together for good. For those who are what? Called according to his purpose. So it is important for us to realize that God's call is for his purposes. Now, sometimes we, we approach God and we pray to God because we want God to do our purposes, right? We want God to do what we want him to do. But really, his calling is for his glory. It's for his purposes. It's for his design. 1 Peter 2.9, a third passage that speaks about calling. It says, I love this passage. You are a chosen race, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, a people for his own possession, that you may proclaim the excellencies of him who what? Called you out of darkness into his marvelous light. What a beautiful passage that speaks to who we are in Christ. Let there be no confusion about our identity here. We are chosen. We are royal. We are holy. We are God's people, his race, his priesthood. And God calls us out of the darkness. There seems to be such darkness around us these days, darkness of thought and philosophy in our culture, darkness that seems to be dragging our nation down. But let us remember that we are called. And he has called us not to live in this darkness, but in his light, his marvelous light. And then lastly, 2 Timothy chapter 1, starting in verse 7, it says, For God gave us a spirit, not of fear, but of power and love and self-control. Therefore, do not be ashamed about the testimony about our Lord, nor of me, his prisoner, but share in suffering for the gospel by the power of God, who saved us and what? Called us to a holy calling, not because of our works, but because of his own purpose and grace, which he gave us in Christ Jesus before the ages began. Before the ages began. God is calling us. 
God's calling is from, it comes because of his grace. We haven't done anything to earn it. We don't deserve it. We all fall short. But because of God's love, his mercy, and his grace, he extends that calling to us. The question is, is when we hear his call, when you hear the call of God, do we listen to his voice? Do we answer the message he lays upon our hearts? Do we respond in obedience or do we ignore? I don't know about you, but I get a lot of messages. Anybody get a lot of emails? And you get texts and messages, and sometimes I go through my emails like, delete, delete, delete. You know, there's just so many messages. Like, I don't want all these messages. But sometimes we, tune, we can tune everything out. The most important message is from our God. And sometimes he calls us and he messages us and he texts our spirit. And it's important in those moments, the most important message we'll ever get in our life, that we respond to that call of God. We are called, church. And not only are we called, but Jude says we are beloved. Now, this is a word that we don't use a lot today. Do you go around and say, hey, my beloved? <laughs> Probably not. Maybe, maybe to your spouse you say that. I don't know. Uh, but, the, you know, the Bible uses this term beloved. It's used to describe someone who is dearly loved, highly regarded. It's often used as an endearing term to express affection or deep love or special favor towards an individual uh, the word beloved from the Greek, it has this connotation of dear, someone who is dearly loved, highly esteemed. How about you? But church, for me, this, this, should, this brings us much comfort and joy that we are beloved in God the Father. That he looks at us this way. That we're deeply cherished and loved by God. Do you know this about yourself? That God deeply loves you. He cherishes you. Do you have any keepsakes in your house? Things that over the years that you've held on to, maybe passed down through generations. And for you, there's just important. And you wouldn't dare get rid of these things. Uh, they're just, they're special. For me, um, when I was growing up, uh, I would go to my granny's and my grandpa's house and and, um, you know, we'd greet them, say hi to them, but then I knew exactly where the candy jar was. <laughs> and it was in this little crystal goblet, and it, the problem was is I couldn't open it without it making that noise, you know? And so as soon as I'd open it, I, they, would, they would catch me. But I have such fond memories of it because she always had the best candy in that candy jar. And so when, when she passed and, and my mom was talking to me, I said, Mom, is there any way I can have that candy jar? Because for me, it just, it just meant so much. Uh, I have such memories of that. And do you know in verse 1, it, it talks about not only are we called and we are beloved, but it says we are kept in Jesus. Jesus hasn't discarded us. He's held on to us because we're special. You, you are God's candy jar. Because you're special. He's whole, and we are being kept for Jesus Christ because he cherishes you. Your life, my life, is that treasure that is so special. 
that God keeps us in his son, Jesus. And I, I don't know about you, but that, that's an amazing reality. It blows me away uh, that God thinks of us this way. So church, I want you to repeat after me this morning, I am beloved. Doesn't that feel good? Now I want you to turn to the person beside you and say, you are beloved. All right, we're talking to church this morning. This is scary. <laughs> All right, the second thing I want to share with you this morning is the beauty of multiplication. Anybody in here like math? Anybody in here don't like math? Okay, more hands going up. So while we're talking to each other, let's, let's turn to our neighbor and say this. May mercy, peace, excuse me, may mercy, peace, and love be multiplied to you. Okay, go ahead. Mercy, peace, and love be multiplied to you. Am I losing control of this? Pastor Ron, am I losing control this morning? <laughs> Multiplication is awesome. Let's, let's say you have two numbers, 20 and 10. If you add them, you get, oh, you guys are pretty good. <laughs> if you subtract them, you get 10. Now, if you divide, you see, there's a the thing about division. Division brings it down fast. Mm, you know what I'm talking about? Division at work, division at home, division in the church. It brings it down quickly and you have two. But if you multiply, you get 200. 200, now that's a breakout. That's a big advance. That's a victory. You see, Jude wanted the church, he wanted believers, he wanted us today to have these three things, mercy, peace, and love, and he wanted us to have them multiplied again and again and again. Do you know what exponential growth is? Exponential growth is when a quantity is multiplied by a number greater than one, and it's done so repeatedly. That leads to exponential growth. And let me give you an example. Say I were to offer you a choice this morning. I'm going to either give you, would you like to have a million dollars, or would you like to have one dollar, and we'll just multiply it by two, every day for 30 days. Well, if you were thinking quick, you'd say, oh, a million dollars, that sounds great. I'll take it right now. But if you take one dollar and you multiply it by two every day for 30 days, do you know how much you get? And I know some of y'all pulling your phones out right now. <laughs> you get a billion dollars, a thousand times more. See, this is the power of Multiplication. And in the positive way of thinking this, when we begin to spread mercy and peace and love and we do it day after day after day as a mother, as a father, as a grandparent, as a neighbor, as a church, as a community, and there's that cum cumulative multiplication when we do these things over and over and over. It becomes amazing. It's exponential spiritual impact. Mercy, peace, and love. These things are, we experience these things within ourselves, but it's also experienced through others. So what is mercy multiplied? Well, 
God has a lot of mercy on us, right? A lot of mercy. We've sang about that this morning. But we can also have mercy on others. It's just like we saw in the testimony of the video. When the sister was killed, extended that forgiveness. How do we do that? We can only do it through mercy multiplied, through the power of God. Peace multiplied, it's like being in the eye of a Cat 5 hurricane. Peace that no matter what others do or say to me, peace, our peace comes from the Lord. And that's a cool thing because our peace is not dependent upon how many followers we get or likes we get or what others may say about us. Our peace, it comes from the Lord. And if it comes from the Lord, nothing can take it from us. Not, not circumstances, not things that are going on in the world. You know, if we just, sometimes we focus on all this craziness that goes in our world, we can just, it can drive us crazy, right? But when we just focus on the Lord and he fills us with that peace, people say, how are you so calm? How do you have such a peace? It's because it comes from the Lord. It's peace multiplied. And then love multiplied, it's that 1 Corinthians con, it's that con that never fails, that abounds. It's like a strong cologne of fragrance that just covers everything. God loves you immensely, church. And so let us love others. Multiply. May mercy, peace, and love be multiplied to you. In Jesus' name. The third thing I'd like to share with you this morning is that we need to build our spiritual house. Build your spiritual house. Starting in verse 20, it speaks to the fact that we, again, are beloved, but we're building ourselves up in our, in our faith. And, it, and the scriptures begin to share some ways that we can build this spiritual house. Uh, years ago, my wife and I were on vacation. We were in a country in the Caribbean, and um, as we were driving through the countryside, I just happened to notice there's all these homes that were just concrete, halfway built. No, it was just like shells, and they were kind of run down. And it's a little different here. Uh, if you want to build a house, you got to go to the bank, right? Now make sure you have enough money to finish the project. Well, it's not so much in some other countries. And, and so you just get a little bit of money, you try to build a little your house, and it might be a couple years before you can do any more. And so there was all these incomplete homes run that were in different states of decay, and uh, God kind of whispered to me as I was seeing that, it's just like, what about your spiritual house, Bobby? You know, sometimes we begin our faith in Christ, and we, we journey uh, with the Lord Jesus, but God wants us to be building ourselves up uh, in our faith, not to be stagnant. Um, and the question I have for you this morning is, what's the state of your spiritual house Jesus has given us all the resources to build it. In fact, he's there to, to help us. As Philippians 1.6 says, He who began a good work in you will be faithful to complete it. God is building your house. He wants to help you to complete this house, and he will be faithful in that. But as we, as Christians, we have to understand that this building of our spiritual house is like running a marathon, right? It's, uh, it's like a journey up a great mountain, the pilgrim's progress. Uh, there will be pitfalls. We'll hit our knee on the rock, but there'll also be great vistas along the way. But the, the, the idea is this progression. It's this journey. It's this climb uh, in our Christ-likeness. 
that he has called to do. And as we do these things, we give him glory. So Jude gives us some ways that we can do that, beginning in verse 20. The first one is, he says, uh, as we're building this house, that we should pray in the Spirit. Pray. Pray, 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 pray. We need to pray, right? Um, now, uh, more than ever, we need to pray. We see the power of prayer. God answers prayers. Uh, and we should be praying in coordination with the Spirit for the things that, that God desires. We should also keep ourselves in the love of God. We are in God's love. Nothing can separate us from that. But we can choose to turn our backs on it. We could ignore it. I don't know about you. I've seen uh, sports, uh, football games sometimes where players run down the sideline full sprint and, and he's kind of like, you know, I'm having the big one. You know, he's like, I need to go to the sideline. I'm tired, you know. And so he kind of gives a signal and, and, he's, and he's gassed and he, and he takes a break. And I think sometimes as, as Christians and believers, we need to take a rest. We have the command to, to have Sabbath rest and, and have those seasons in our life where we rest. But, but we need to stay in the game though, right? You know, we don't, need, we don't need to take ourselves out and say, God, I just can't do it anymore. Let somebody else do it. God wants us to stay in the game. He wants us uh, to build our spiritual house. And sometimes as we're building our house, uh, we need to, to wait. It says, the scripture says, waiting on the mercy of the Lord. We receive mercy as we spoke, uh, and so we should have mercy on others. But waiting on God, waiting on that can be challenging. You know, I don't know if about you, but if you've had, ever had the experience of building anything, especially if you had to ha build a house or whatever, you understand it. It's a process. There's different people that have to come in and, and do different things. And, and Roy, you know this, right, as we're building over here. And sometimes there's a delay. Sometimes you have to wait. And that's frustrating. But you have to wait for the right people to come in and, and, and go through the process. And, and it's the same thing with the Lord. Sometimes the Lord wants us to wait on him. But we can be impatient, and we can say, well, i just got to do something. I'm just going to do it my way. Well, that's not probably going to work out good for you, right? But sometimes we're in such a hurry for something to happen, and God is just simply saying, if we wait, something really good is going to happen if you just wait. But sometimes when we push, when we force, so we need to wait on the mercy of the Lord. And then another thing that he says as we build our spiritual house, it says here, by saving others, this, this vivid imagery of the scripture, snatching them out of the fire, it says in Jude. You see, we, we can build our spiritual house by helping others, by saving others. I have great appreciation for our first responders, for law enforcement, for our military uh, people that put themselves in harm's way to, to protect us, to defend our freedoms that we cherish in our country. But I feel today that in the spiritual realm that there's this massive rip current that is just sucking people out. And as a church, God has called us to be light, to have that life preserver, that float that rescues people as they're just being deceived and pulled out into the darkness. And we see this all around us today. We can build our spiritual house by snatching them out of the fire. And then lastly, again, verse 23, it says, show others mercy. 
hating the garment stained by flesh. It's the idea of loving the sinner but hating the sin. Mercy is a great theme of the book of Jude. There's no doubt he had seen mercy in his own life. And the last point this morning that I want to share with you uh, is the blessing of Jesus. The blessing of Jesus. And in these passages I read, there's actually two blessings. The one we spoke of earlier, may mercy, peace, and love be multiplied to you. But here at the end of Jude, we see another powerful blessing. What is a blessing? It's, it's a powerful, it's a significant expression of divine favor, of goodwill. It's invoking God's presence and his goodness. It's an acknowledgement of God's sovereignty and his power. And it is a prayer for his abundant love and favor to be experienced in one's life. So here the blessing that Jude gives now. I want to read this section again. Now to him who is able to keep you from stumbling and to present you blameless before the presence of his glory with great joy. To the only God, our Savior, through Jesus Christ our Lord, be glory and majesty and dominion and authority before all time, now and forever. Amen. Jude recognized that every Christian can stumble, every single one of us. We all make mistakes. And so his blessing is just a reminder that God is able to keep us from stumbling. He is able to help us fight temptation this morning. He is able to give you a way of escape, give you the support that you need. That's why I believe God has us in church. It's because we need each other. We need to lean on each other. But verse 24 makes it very clear that when we do stumble, that we will one day be presented in front of the Father in heaven. And notice that it says that there will be great joy. That we will be blameless. And how is that? That we can stand before the Father blameless and there's great joy? is because of Jesus. It's because of what Jesus did on the cross for you. He paid the penalty the cost of our sin, our mistakes. And so we come before the Father. The Father sees Jesus over us, covering us. And that's why there's great joy. Amen? Amen. Glory, these words, glory, majesty, dominion, authority. All these things belong to God and so much more. And this last phrase just blows my mind. Before all time. You see, God is outside the parameters of time and history. He's, he created it. I have to confess, it's a little bit beyond. It kind of makes my mind spin a little bit when I think that God is outside of time. He created it. But that's what the scripture says. It, it, it says that he's, he's beyond that. He's, he's bigger uh, than in the beginning, you know, if you if you think about what it's what it says there, um, and then at the very end, he's there at the, at the before time, he's there at the end of time, and then there's that word yet he's in the now. So, God is is big, he's humongous, he's outside of time, and yet he's focused in, in thinking about the now, and he's thinking about you, and he's keeping you. For Jesus, because you are called 
and you are beloved and he wants to multiply blessings upon you. So church, my hope and prayer today is that you will feel and abide this blessing of Jude and the scriptures that we've talked about today. Let's pray. Lord, that you were thinking about us before all time while we're in our mother's womb. Lord, truly your love and your mercy, your peace are extravagant or amazing or incredible. And I pray a blessing over God's people today. And Lord, especially I pray that if there's anyone here that does not know you in a personal way, if they don't know you and have a relationship with you as Lord and Savior, that God, that they would they would feel that emptiness in their heart and that they would know that it could be filled by simply saying a prayer, Lord Jesus, I believe in you. I believe that you died on the cross. Forgive me of my sin, Lord. Come into my life. Be my Lord and Savior. God, I pray as a simple prayer of faith, calling upon the name of the Lord as the scripture says, and we will be saved. So God, we hear your voice. We hear you calling us now. Speak to us. In Jesus' name, amen. Pastor David is gonna come and lead us in a hymn of invitation. You stand and respond as God leads you.
Church, receive your blessing from God's word, the grace of the Lord Jesus Christ, and the love of God, and the fellowship of the Holy Spirit be with you all. Go forth now to live lives that bring glory to God and all God's people who agreed to strive to do so said, Amen.